you miss a show? Listen to podcasts from all your favorite ESPN Las Vegas shows at LVSportsNetwork.com. KWWN Las Vegas and KLAV Las Vegas. In the morning, when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? Some journalism. Adam Schefter apparently asked Bruce Allen, who was working for the Washington football team at the time, to proofread an entire story. So John Gruden is not the only one that just had an email about him leaked during this Washington football team investigation. Uh, Adam Schefter apparently sent an email to Bruce Allen. That said, please let me know if you see anything that should be added, changed, tweaked. Thanks, Mr. Editor, for that and the trust. Plan to file this to ESPN about 6 a.m. Yeah. Okay, so a couple things here. Uh, and I've seen this this morning, and I completely agree. Worst part of all is calling him Mr. Editor. That's not good. <laughs> it's just not good. It's not good for a journalist to um, uh, call a source Mr. Editor. I've never sent a copy of a story or column, uh, an entire thing, to a source. What you do do with sources often to clarify exactly what the facts are as they're being your source and giving you information is to talk about how it might be portrayed uh, if you're off the record and it's a source. You know, are you telling me it's this or are you telling me it's that? And this is how it will be portrayed if that's what you're saying because you're the source that's off the record. Um, this doesn't look good. I, I do, sending, a, sending a source an entire story for them to look over and either okay or not is, is really, really bad. I again, it it sounds funny, but the Mister Editor thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I just think that's I think that's a horrible look. Well, okay, the thing about him calling him Mister Editor is Adam Schefter basically admitting that he knows that he shouldn't be doing this. Like it's to me that sounds like he's jokingly right. calling him Mister right, Editor right. when very clearly, if you work for ESPN, your editor should not be working for the team no, you're covering. No, should be working for ESPN. Right. So that's I mean. That's a fireable offense, isn't it? Like Schefter's their number one guy on breaking Absolutely. NFL news, but that's, I mean, that's about as bad as it gets in terms of journalistic integrity yeah. as a story you're writing about it would somebody. would be a fireable offense in a lot of places. Given how many stories he breaks, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Yeah. He does have the, because this is the second time Adam Schefter's been called out this football season because he's also in some business deal with uh, Bill Kraft. Right. Or Bob Kraft. Bob Bill Kraft. Kraft Bob making Kraft. up people over here with Bob Kraft. And people are saying, well, how can Adam Schefter accurately cover the New England Patriots, Patriots. if he's business partners with, with the, the owner. owner? So this is the second time this has come up here. And this one is uh, quite significant, yeah. I would say, in terms of, hey, is that guy a trustable source for information? That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Okay, I don't, this, this might be another journalism topic here. Uh, Sham Sharney of The Athletic wrote a story about Kyrie Irving, and I'll just read from what he wrote. Multiple sources with direct knowledge of Kyrie Irving's decision have told The Athletic 
that Irving is not anti-vaccine and that his stance is that he is upset that people are losing their jobs due to vaccine mandates. To be clear, Irving's stance is not believed to be anti-science. Okay. To me, this makes little sense at all. So what he's saying is I'm not going to get the shot because other people who are being forced to do it are losing their jobs. Kyrie wants to be the voice for the voice. Voice for the people. According to this story. So a couple I'd of problems. I'd rather him be completely anti-vax because that would make more <laughs> sense. A couple of problems. Number one, when he spoke to reporters at the Nets media day this year, he was asked about this and he said no comment. If you're going to be a voice for the voiceless, you can't no comment when asked about this. Number two is that the people who are anti-vax are not voiceless. We, it's very clear in this society that people who are against the vaccine have a pretty large voice. Yes. And you hear it every day. They're so, pretty outspoken about being anti-vax. Yes. So there is no need to be a voice for the voiceless if you're Kyrie Irving. But even if he thought he was, he has not used his voice to portray any of this. He has not. This is the first time any of us have heard that Kyrie Irving might be worried about people losing their jobs because they don't want to get the vaccine. He didn't even say a quote. It's not even him in this story. These are just sources that are giving this story up here. So this is a complete PR spin by Kyrie Irving or Kyrie Irving's people to try to find a way to say, well, He's not anti-vax. He's doing it for a different reason. And it's complete crap. Is this is this Kyrie as Mr. Editor? Uh, yes, that's the other part. When I because say this might Kyrie be a journalism could story, be the source. How does Sham Sharnia write this story he with a straight source. face? How, Often, do you, how do you type he wants to be yeah. a voice for the voiceless and he's not anti-vax, he's anti-people uh, losing their job? Like, no, he's not. No, he is very clearly not. Going back to the sources just out there for people to know, and I'm sure people, a lot of people do, often the sources are the person you're writing about. Yes. That they tell you, I can't be quoted, but this is what I think, and you can write this. Yes. And in fact, I would say more often than not, that's what it is. There's a very good chance Kyrie Irving is, is the, source. the source. Or at least the person closest to Kyrie yes. Irving, who Kyrie said, yeah, let's do that. That right. sounds good. But I don't know how you write this story with a straight face, because that, that, that's not. Kyrie Irving thinks he's smart. And he's not he really smart. He thinks he's smart. the smartest guy in the room. Right. Which is like, I can relate because I am the same way. I think I'm smart, but I'm not actually that smart. Kyrie Irving thinks he's smart and he's not actually that smart. And this is just him trying to find a way to say, uh, yeah, I'm not anti-science. I have another reason for why yeah. I'm not getting the vaccine. And his reason's right. idiotic. I'm, I'm smarter than you, though, is basically what he wants to say out of this. But he, he's an idiot. What do you think? Kevin Kruger played Will Smith's switch on loop at practice yesterday. Uh, Mike Gramala asked about this practice open to the media yesterday apparently unlv has been struggling switching screens in practice so this punishment if you call it is that they had to listen to the same song over and over for the entire practice that was called i like Switch. it i like it <laughs> kevin krueger good for him i like this move uh royce ham said it gets a little annoying but I definitely think it'll help us yeah. with what we need to They're do. They're probably going to come back today and have their best practice with switching screens. <laughs> uh, is this, is this cool. better or worse than Marvin Menzies when he was here? They at one point had a missed layup treadmill 
that if you missed a layup during a drill, you had to leave the drill and go run on the treadmill for like, it was like a minute or something like that. I never knew that. Oh, yeah. It was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. So if you missed a layup, and they missed a lot of them, <laughs> boy, you'd be lining up at the treadmill. Right. I'd they probably more think than one treadmill. Is, I'd probably think this is better because you at least still have everyone on the floor. They're just listening to the same song. If you're missing six guys because they're over the treadmill, you probably have to stop practice and say, well, wait till they run their treadmill. So two instances happened that were funny that I solved the treadmill. One was somebody waiting for another guy to yeah, get, off, get the off the treadmill because they were back to having layups. And two, okay, I can't remember who the player was, but somebody missed a layup. Went and ran on the treadmill, came back, very missed. next play of the drill, missed the layup again, and had to go and back, go back to on the treadmill. treadmill. <laughs> the missed tre- the, the miss layup treadmill was funny. That was just a funny thing. I don't know if it improved anything. Was the treadmill was consistently running the whole practice, or did you have to get on and just start it yourself? There was a designated, like, uh, one of the trainers or grad Who had to stand who, at the treadmill? Well, he'd run over with whoever okay. had to do and it. And get the and treadmill going. I guess would turn it on and let him run. <laughs> I still like the switch. I think I do too. Here's the thing: the miss miss layup treadmill is funny, but like you can't miss layups. Like I, I, I think I fully agree with if you miss a layup in practice. True. I don't maybe do 20 pushups. I don't yeah. know what it is, but I don't miss layups. Like that's how you lose games, despite having a good play, good players, and all that is missing layups. It, it'll screw you. Next question. Conference USA wants to merge with the American Athletic Conference and the Sun Belt. Uh, they want to form like a three-team, three-conference sort of alliance here because they're all in the same geographic area. Uh, the logic here is two-part. They think that, hey, if we all combine, we'll be a pretty strong conference. We'll have some pretty good teams out there. Uh, and also, Conference USA wants to avoid the American from adding any of their teams and basically making the Conference USA fold. I don't know what this. I don't know what this solves. Well, if you're, just, if you're Conference I mean, USA... Well, if you're Conference USA, it makes a little sense because, like you said, your best teams don't leave, and then you're just right. stuck with a bunch of bad teams. But if you're the American, it makes zero sense. No. No, if you're the American, you're just going to take... If there's teams you want If you're the American, USA, you start picking up Conference USA teams, yeah. people are like, what are you doing? Well, UAB's been sort of one of the big ones that's been out there, and for, for whatever reason, people are like, well, they're in Birmingham, so maybe that'll be a good market to be in whatever birmingham's not that good of a market it's in alabama it just happens to be the biggest city in alabama um so i don't know how that would help right i don't know that the american the american there's no way the american says yes because it doesn't benefit them no like there's no i think boise and san diego state and those teams might have benefited them right that because you are at the very least decimating the next the next best conference right you're you're reestablishing yourself destroying the mountain west right as the best non-power conference if you do that this is just uh, would do nothing. It would help right. Conference USA, but it, it would do nothing Wouldn't for help. the American. Man, you know that's a great question. J.R. Smith stepped in a hornet's nest while golfing. He had to receive like <laughs> they had to like bring trainers out because he got stung here. Um, this is his first collegiate golf tournament. Uh, he's uh, playing for North Carolina A and T. He shot 29 over in three rounds, finished 81st out of 84 golfers in this tournament. Uh, but maybe more importantly, he stepped in a hornet's nest. <laughs> ten over. Good for him. Yeah. Take ten, I take ten over any day. Yeah, it wasn't last either. No, exactly. 81st at 84th. Pretty good for J.R. Smith. I Do you think he's walking around saying, damn, there were never any hornet's nest in basketball. Yeah, exactly. I never had it? this problem indoors. I haven't been stung one time on the basketball court. <laughs> Man, imagine that. You step in a hornet's nest while you're trying to play college well, golf. I mean, I look. Give him a lot of credit 
for trying to play college golf, and I'm just giving him credit for shooting 10 over. I Listen, I love this. Like, this is yeah. one of the funniest stories, yeah. one of the best stories. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go back to school. Yeah, and, and play golf. Get my degree. You know, I've played golf every now and then. Yeah. You think I can make the North Carolina A&T team? And I know, some, I know some Golden Knights who might win the tournament. <laughs> well, here's the thing. If you are the head coach of North Carolina A&T and J.R. Smith shows up on campus saying, you know, I've played golf before. You're saying, you're damn right you have. Get on my team. <laughs> exactly. You get over here and you're playing on my team. Yeah. Because I don't know what else I could do in life to have a better recruiting advantage than well, J.R. Smith is on same. my we, golf team. Before this uh, A&T golf, uh, did anyone have any kind of clue about anything there? No. This is the first time ESPN and National outlets i'm assuming now again maybe at had an individual guy who was really good at one point but i've never heard of him no and now you do because jr smith is golfing and jr smith is stepping in hornet's nest all right coming up next we will jump in to the raiders and look a little bit ahead to what the actual football team is going to do the rest of the season it's the press box with graney and bischoff on espn las vegas so despite everything that's happened with the raiders there's still actual uh games to be played the rest of this season and some news on the offensive line Richie Incognito could be back November 7th that is after the Raiders bye week which would mean Incognito misses two more games and seven in total to start the season um I know you've said it before you believe it when you see it yeah. so November 7th believe it when we see it well yeah, because he's he's eligible to come out this week, and we're still now saying after the bye. <laughs> so, I don't understand. I don't understand that. Remember when this was? Uh, he'll be ready for week two. Yeah, remember when we <laughs> saw him on the treadmill in the uh, facility there one day at practice? Like, oh, he's close. He's on the treadmill, and I guess the treadmill didn't work. Maybe he missed a few layups, and they <laughs> tossed him over there, and now uh, uh, he's still got the calf injury. So I was surprised when Gruden said earlier in the week, or maybe yeah, it was uh, maybe last week. Um, Oh, no, it was, it was early this week when he said, uh, you know, he's eligible to come off this week, but we're thinking after the bye. And I kind of put my head up. I'm like, wait, that's still three weeks away. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, it's, it's, the, it's the most, the worst calf injury in the history of calf injuries. So on the offensive line, it has not been good the entire season. It's been a big reason why the Raiders have now lost two games in a row. This was from before the loss to the Bears, but Tom Cable talked to Vic Tafer of The Athletic, uh, and he gave this quote about Andre James, the Raiders' center. He's playing outstanding. He had two bad snaps two weeks ago, and that was it. None before and none since. He's playing at a high level. Is Andre James playing at a high level? Not according to Pro Football oh Focus, who has ranked him last among the centers in the NFL. <laughs> he's the worst center in the NFL. I don't like, know what he's talking about. Now, when he continued on with Colton's playing at high level, Colton Miller, I agree with that. Uh, and then what What was it that other, the rest the are inconsistent. very inconsistent. And okay. I think it will come together. Him saying inconsistent is doing a lot of work there because inconsistent would, apply, would imply that there have been good plays for Alex Otherwood, Brandon Parker, John Simpson, and... Have there been good plays for those three? Because Not many. Well, there's there have been so few good plays for Leatherwood. They've moved him inside right. after they moved him inside after four games. Right. So I listen. Uh, you don't expect Tom Cable to come in and rip. He's not going to blast his offensive line. But, but to but, say Andre James has been outstanding, that's well, that's a lie. I mean, he could have just said Colton's really really good, and the rest has been inconsistent. Right. I don't know why he went out of his way to really praise. Andre James, when obviously he hasn't been great. Well, I think it's because there's been a lot of questions as to why Nick Martin hasn't gotten 
they've taken over the center's job and Andre James remains in there. And that might be Tom Cable's way of saying, I still believe in Andre James, but here's okay. Pro football focus rankings. Andre James is the 35th best center out of 35. If you look at tackle, the tackle position, because Alex Leatherwood has still played more snaps at tackle, yeah, he's still what classified they as a tackle, 74 total tackles PFF is graded this year. Number 73 is Brandon Parker. Number 74 is Alex Leatherwood. Okay. Not good. That's what the Raiders are The two are worst with. tackles in football. Yes, and then John PFF. Simpson, the one other starter that's not named Colton Miller, 68th of 74 guards this year. There's, terrible. There's like he terrible. says inconsistent. No, that's no worst in the league. Yeah. Like that's awful. And then you say Andre James is outstanding. No, not no. at all. And so all right, Gruden being fi- Gruden resigning and it's going to make it a little bit different to evaluate the rest of the season because it's probably fair to look around and say, "Oh, all right, things are going to go really wrong because the head coach is gone now and things are going to change." But this is a pretty bad look for Tom Cable in terms of the offensive line was blown up this off season. And I have to imagine the reason part of the reason they decided was because Tom cable, they thought Tom cable could make this offensive sure. line work. And so far it's been the biggest problem on the team and it has not worked at all. They've got a first round pick at right tackle that they've already moved and is not working. They've got Brandon Parker. Who's a former third round pick is not working at tackle, right? John Simpson not working at guard Andre James. They decided to move on from one of the best centers in the league and Rodney Hudson, not working. They made a lot of decisions here and not one of them has gone well. Yeah. And the only guy who's playing well is Colton Miller yeah. who they gave an well, extension they gave to, an extension when, to they did, when they didn't like to the way that the amount that they mishandled the offensive line this off season is incredible. Like every move they've made has been a bad one so far. They have not made a good move in regards to the offensive line. And you look back at, Where did they spend their money, right? Because part of the argument, you get rid of some of these offensive linemen, right? Rodney Hudson, Trent Brown, Gabe Jackson, right? You get rid of some of these guys because you're going to save some money, right? You're going to go cheap. And the Raiders, they did go out and sign some free agents. They did go out and get Yannick Ngakwe. They did go out and get Casey Hayward, right? They've improved their defense. But two of the big places they spent their money this offseason was the Colton Miller extension that didn't need to happen and Kenyon Drake. Yeah, $11 million. Where has Kenyon Drake been? So, like, you look at the way they've spent their money. It'd be one thing if they blew up their offensive line and all the money they spent elsewhere was performing well. But it's not. Like, you look back on it and you say, what What exactly were they doing this offseason? Like, what was their objective? Was Did they really need to extend Colton Miller for no reason? Did they really need Kenyon Drake? It's a... It, it's a bad offseason. Like, you look back at it, the, this team could be better if the offseason was handled differently by this team. I want to get to the story about Derek Carr not discussing a contract extension during the season because when I saw this and it said he's not going to do that, I had the same thoughts that I think you did. Well, now there's going to be a new coach, so yes. throw it out the window because who knows what the new coach is going to think of him, who knows what the new coach wants in his quarterback. So it's completely been thrown in flux. But when I saw that he's not going to discuss the extension, not to be flippant, but at the end of the day, if they don't make the playoffs, let's say this thing falls apart and they're six and eleven or seven and ten, are they going to want to extend them? Right. Like that's the first thing I thought. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean he's not going to want an extension or not talk about an extension? I, I do think he wants to stay in Vegas. He said that often. I don't doubt that. He has his family here. Um, I don't think he wants to move. I'm sure he loves Las Vegas. But when I this is the first thing I thought of was like, hold on a second. I'm not so sure, and now I'm really not so sure, because, again, there's going to be a new coach. We don't know who that person is. 
that they're going to want to extend him if, in fact, this team goes south again and doesn't make the playoffs. Right, because if you're, the, get that. if you're the Raiders, you're actually in a pretty good spot with Derek Carr because the guaranteed money is basically Money's gone. Dead. Yeah. And you can make a decision after this year on whether or not you want to keep Derek Carr. It would be incredibly dumb for the Raiders to extend Derek oh. Carr right now. Like, oh, with all that's happened, you can't now. Well, yes, but even like even if we go back in time to week three when they were undefeated and Carr right. was MVP candidate, it would have been stupid to extend yes. him then too. You, you, you wait have to until wait the to season. see how the season goes. So for the, yeah, the story from ESPN, it was weird. It was bizarre because okay, Derek Carr doesn't want to talk about it, but I, I don't well, they're think. putting the power in his lap. But I, it's like I, I, don't, I don't think the Raiders want to talk about it either. No, because it's wait if they wanted to extend Derek Carr. They would have done it after they last season. They would have already season. done it. Yeah, they would have said, oh, yeah, we believe in him and we'll extend him. But obviously, they were in a little bit of a wait and see mode right. and see, okay, how is this team going to perform before we do that extension? And, yeah, it makes no sense that Derek Carr would, like you said, be in the power position of, oh, no. do I want to talk about an extension or not? I mean, his agent calls and says, we want to talk about an extension. I bet they say, no, not yet. Right? Yeah. Well, they really say, no, not yet right now. But let's say this never happened with Gruden and he was still the coach. I think Gruden would have said that. Yeah. You can't keep missing the playoffs. Not saying it's Derek Carr's fault, but at some point, whether that's correct or not, you keep missing the playoffs. There is change made for the sake of change. Yeah, it just happens. So, I thought it was a very strange story that they would go with the they would go with the, you know, the premise that this is up to him. I don't think this is up to him at all. I'm not saying he doesn't want to be extended. I'm sure he wants to be extended and stay in Vegas, but they have to wait on this. This is not Colton Miller. Sorry, and I know Colton Miller plays an important position, but this is this is your quarterback. Adam Schefter's the one that wrote this story. You think Derek Carr proofread it? <laughs> is he Mr. Editor? <laughs> no, but it could be David. It Carr. could have been David. It could have been David. Absolutely, he absolutely could have been, been Mr. Editor. No question about that. <laughs> David and Darren both taking both taking uh, their uh, their turns at the story. I don't like the third paragraph. They got the red period. pins to Adam Move the Schefter fourth paragraph. Story. Adam, you're burying the lead. You're burying the lead. Put that up higher. Why did you mention he's an MVP candidate? Yes. Come on. Work that in did there, Did you please. see the 3-0 and start? <laughs> Do you know how badly I want to find out that, that one of the Carr brothers was the editor? This to one of the Carr brothers? Yes. Do that you would know be, how amazing that would That would be amazing. Be? That would be absolutely amazing. Did you see David Carr? Oh, I saw it. We were story about that. Yeah. Yeah. was like, yeah. hey, Distractions from John Gruden caused them to lose to the Bears. Yeah, <sighs> maybe. I don't guess. I don't. I asked about that because I wrote about it after the game. I'm sorry. I might be wrong. I don't buy into that once the game starts. I don't. I, I agree. I right. don't. Now, yeah, the day before they're like, "What did he say? What are we doing? Is he really that guy? Are we playing for this guy who said that?" I think football is so hard, and I think it's such a tough game and violent game that if you're thinking about stuff like that. You are really, really endangering yourself. So I think once it kicks off, now afterwards again they go. I, you know, we heard reports afterwards that it was not good in the locker room. Afterwards, there were a lot of mad people about how they played and they lost, um, which there should have been. And maybe that kind of boiled over to like, you know, this all started with you. This all started with the emails. But I think in the moment, I just think guys don't think about stuff like that. I yeah. don't. No, Alex Leatherwood's not getting beat by Khalil. No, Mack because on he's a thinking stunt. about what John Gruden yeah. might have emailed. Because There's no oh, way that, that happens. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't happen. Derek Carr is not missing a Brian Edwards open down the field no. because oh that John Gruden email. Right. Like, it's that's not it's what happens. The, no, not at all what happens. All right, coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. 
All right, Jason, um, I'm not even going to start with a question for you. I'm just going to let you go. John Gruden and the Raiders, what's happening here? Yeah, you know, here's the thing. There's there's a lot of layers to this. And number one, I think it's important for everybody to realize that, you know, obviously at the end of the day, I've heard a lot of Raiders fans coming out complaining about the fact that, you know, the league hasn't released the rest of the emails and this was supposed to be a Washington football team investigation and all of these different caveats to which I say, we're not 12-year-old children, and we shouldn't be debating like we are. Like, it doesn't matter who else is or isn't getting in trouble or who else is or isn't getting caught doing these things. What's important here is that aside of John Gruden that uh, not many people would have the opportunity to know was revealed, and it was revealed in a very real way. And I don't think the Raiders had any choice but to continue to stand on the correct side of, uh, of diversity, of inclusion, of everything that's made the Raiders who they are as an organization for a long time, I think. It's fair to ask questions about when they knew the full context of the emails. I, I want to know that information. I'd love to know Mark Davis's decision-making process. But today, I stand very proudly as a Raiders fan saying, hey, I want to wear a shirt every Sunday of a team I can be proud of. And the language that was used in that email is not going to be acceptable from anybody in life. I have no problem with the Raiders saying, hey, there's a line in the sand. This crosses it. I'm not sure John Gruden's ever going to work again in any capacity. I'm not sure if that's a version of who he is that he should. So hopefully he learns from his messaging. He evolves. But at the end of the day, that's not with the Raiders. And I have no problem with that, even if it means an entire reset for the organization. Uh, saw you at the game Sunday and afterwards. And David Carr yesterday said, intimated that that had a lot to do. The first email had a lot to do with their performance. I think Tyler and I are both on the side when games are kicked off. I don't really think that gets in their heads. It's too hard a game to be thinking about emails when you're trying to block someone or throw a pass. You saw the game. Do you think it had any carryover? None. And, and I, I can't say that loud enough because the emails weren't even revealed until Friday. Like, the game plan's already in. So what, like, they were distracted at the walkthrough or during the opening kickoff? Right. Like, I, I buy that they were more, you know, still into, you know, hearing Neil Sean play the, the national anthem than anything from an email. Like, I, I just... There's no transfer over in my mind to what happened that without knowing the full scope of it. If the full scope of it had happened and Gruden had been fired at that point, I could say, yeah, like everybody's worried about their jobs and there's a real-life application. I, I just don't think that an email in that situation created a real distraction on the field on, like on Sunday. Nothing changes the fact that, like, Derek Carr was a little off. Darren Waller was a lot off, and we're not used to seeing that. Edwards drop. I don't think Edwards is dropping a touchdown in the end zone because of an email. Like, it's just, I'm not buying that. Uh, the Raiders last Friday, when they put out their first statement after the first email was made public, did put in there that they were reviewing other materials the NFL had sent them. Now, we don't know exactly what those other materials are, but it's probably fair to believe it was some of the emails that were then made public uh, earlier this week. So I'm curious, are you disappointed in the way Mark Davis has a, maybe didn't fire John Gruden right away and B hasn't talked publicly about this yet? That's the most disappointing part. I think is the latter of the two, because here's the thing, like I'll buy the, like, if, I guess maybe I've, I've got too much experience in the entertainment business where nothing is done without calling 52 attorneys first. I have no doubt that if Mark Davis saw the full scope of these emails, even if he thought, I don't want to fire him. His first call in a business mindset is probably to his attorneys that are going to look at it and say, how do we fire him? Is this cause? Because many contracts have a moralities clause in it that will prevent you from having to pay the portion, the rest of it out. Like, I could buy all of that. What makes it difficult for me is that today, yesterday, we should be hearing from him. I mean, that's the one thing 
And again, I know that a lot of times attorneys will say you don't speak. But the minute that Gruden handed in his resignation, which is an important difference, it saved the team a lot of money. The minute that that happened, I think we, we needed to hear from Mark Davis, and we still do. I mean, uh, no matter what other questions are a- answered, we're going to have to know what Mark knew, what his process was, how much he, how much thought he put into it, exactly how he did everything, because you can't read those emails and then stand on the right side of history if you didn't do the right thing to begin with. And, and I hate to believe that it took the Washington, uh, the Washington Post or Washington, whichever uh, newspaper it was, uh, leaking it first to make this action happen. Like that, that doesn't feel good. Yeah, and the other guy I want to hear from this week is Mike Mayock. We barely ever hear from him, and that was because Gruden ran everything anyway. So we understood that as media out here that Gruden's in charge of everything. We don't even we, it's pointless to hear from Mayock now. It appears Mayock will be running football operations until at least through this year. Where do you think he stands with Davis? I mean, where do you foresee Mike Mayock running this thing in the foreseeable future? No, not at all. And okay. I, I, I mean, like I, I like Mike the individual, and uh, I've, I've only had limited tiny interactions with him. I like Mike the human being, but Mike is here because that's who John wanted, right? And so at some point, that's why I keep telling everybody, uh, you know, the, the the language made this an easy decision. The football side of this makes it a very difficult decision, and I'm glad they went to the right portion of this decision. But realistically, I think if I'm Mark Davis, I'm not looking at coaches today. I'm looking at GMs, knowing that I'm going to have to completely reset the entirety of my organization, which means – you're now looking at, all right, is the new regime going to believe in Derek Carr? Is the new regime going to believe in, in Bradley as a defensive coordinator who seems, I think, to have done a nice job? Like, are we rebuilding from scratch? And I, I think the answer to that could very well be yes. Like, if I'm, if I'm the Raiders, I'm aggressively looking at some of the young players like Max and saying, hey, let's lock them in now so that we, we've got some foundation for the future. Let's sign some big contracts, and then let's figure out what we're building around. Because I, I think a new GM – a new coach, a new staff, a new uh, strength and training program. Like, everything's going to be new this time next year. And that, for every fan that, that wants new and every fan that has had an issue with some of the product on the field, I will warn you that every reset starts a revolving door of resets that can just as easily as it can get you a great coach, it can get you a one-and-done. Like, it can get you a Mike White or a Joe Bugle or an Art Shell Park News. So, like, we've all seen this before. It can get it can get hairy. Um on the uh, staff and potentially cleaning house here, how disappointing is it going to be if Paul Gunther actually puts together like the first top half defense the Raiders have had in like two decades, and then he's gone next season? Oh, Gus Bradley? Yeah, no, if that, if that happens, like I, I, I was happy that Gus didn't get the interim job for one reason, and, and I'll always go back to Jack Del Rio, who I had the opportunity to work with at ESPN. And I was talking to Jack at ESPN before he took the Washington football team defensive coordinator job. And I asked him one day, I said, do you miss coaching? And he said, you know, I don't miss being a head coach. I'll, everything that came with being a head coach, I don't miss that. What I miss is running a defense because I knew I was great at that. And little did I know, like three days later, he took the Washington game. I think Jack was trying to give me a scoop. He was trying to let me check <laughs> you that, but it didn't happen. So uh, all that to say that at the end of the day, I think Gus Bradley is really good with defenses. And I would love to see Gus get the opportunity to continue to stay focused here. We're going to find out a lot, guys, about the leadership in the locker room, not just from Gus, but from some of the veteran players, from the Casey Haywards of the world that's going to be put in a situation where suddenly he's got to teach an entire group of young men on that defensive side of the ball that sometimes you got to be a pro through all of the you-know-what storm that surrounds you. And, like, we're going to find out what kind of leadership pull Carr really has in the locker room because this is where you look at your franchise quarterback and say, hey, stabilize this thing. But I would love to see Gus Bradley 
not only continue to, to be the defensive coordinator right now, I, I think he's shown every reason why he's the guy that, that should have that job moving forward. I'd love to see him stick around. We thought it interesting, a story that came out on Carr, uh, and I, I'm sure it's his agent saying, hey, we're not going to go for an extension during the season, and now obviously it would make no sense with what's happened. This came, I think, after 3-0. and um, I, I found it interesting because I thought, you know what, he's talking about an extension, which I think he'd want because I think he loves Vegas and wants to stay here. I'm putting it more on the team to see how this season goes. They don't owe him any any money after this, although he's signed through next year. I think it's the team that has to more worry about who the coach is and does he want Derek Carr. Yeah, well, and, and what the team is going to have to figure out is, you know, the, do they want Derek Carr long-term? Also, do they want Derek Carr long-term above the return they could get for Derek Carr long-term? Because somebody will want Derek Carr next offseason. And uh, the trade value for Derek Carr would be high, especially going into one year on a contract where you know that you're going to be able to sign him, but he's not going to be in that same range as the Mahomes and the Jacksons, right? Like he's going to be – uh, near the top of that second-tier quarterback. So, realistically, there's some value. I keep hearing Raiders fans talk about how, oh, my God, you know, we've got young guys in the division that are already out here doing things that Carr can't do. I will remind every single Raiders fan that every quarterback taken between 2009 and 2016, every single quarterback selected in the first round is not still with that team today between 2009 2016. And I would just say it again. As an organization, if you're going to go through all of this change, you're going to dip back into the copper because last time I checked, Zach Wilson doesn't look all that great. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who I believe is generational as a talent, looks bad right now. And I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence won't figure it out, but 84 yards for Justin Fields in the fourth quarter passing, like uh, let's not get it twisted. Everybody that says we're going to dip in the draft, you presume that you're going to dip in the draft and you're going to find the one Kyler Murray and you're not going to find the entire body of work that lived from 2009 to 2016. Like, I just, the odds on getting it right at the quarterback position in the draft aren't just bad, they're terrible. And Vegas should understand odds better than anybody. You got somebody in the room, it may not be, he may not be Aaron Rodgers, but he sure as heck isn't Jamarcus Russell. And we got to stop treating him like he is. But is he even Teddy Bridgewater? He's better than Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> but let me tell you this, like, is that Teddy Bridgewater, like, I would, you got a better chance of having Teddy Bridgewater win you games than Zach Wilson. Like, Zach Wilson is not good, y'all. Like, he's, he's not good, and I don't think he's going to be good. And he was a high pick, right? Like, yeah, everybody gets it wrong at the quarterback position. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, there was a time when the Broncos thought they had it with Drew Locke. Now what do they got? Uh, let me give you a college football question. Do you believe, like, an Iowa can actually win a national championship? <laughs> I believe that Iowa may have a voodoo doll somewhere of the entire college football community. Like, I'm not sure Iowa wins that game at Clifford's in the whole game at the quarterback position, but I will say my biggest concern with Iowa was because then could they match team speed? And Dotson, one of the best wide receivers in the country, absolutely glorious player, and they held up better than I expected. I mean, I, I, no, I, don't, I, I, I laugh at the thought of Iowa being the national champion, but at the same time, if you'd asked me a week ago right now, I told you I didn't think there was any chance Alabama was losing to that A&M team. So I, I, I think it's a stunning year in college football. The only team that I'd be comfortable putting my money on in Vegas right now is Georgia, and everything else is such just a cluster. You know what? That you know maybe this is the year that Iowa's got the little dolls and they're just picking them with the pins, and that's how they win. If they go undefeated, is there any way they keep Cincinnati out? They've kept teams like that out before. I think this year, because of the resume pick that they'll get, I mean, Indiana stinks. We all know Indiana stinks, uh, but they're, they're not good enough. Uh, Notre Dame's not as good as we thought. 
But if this chaos rides through, I think this is the year because they do at least have the major programs on the resume. And if they go undefeated, they also come in with that, that ever vaunted benefit of the doubt. Like, you know, sometimes it, like in the NBA where we reach around and finally and we say, all right, this guy, this is the year that this guy's going to win the MVP. And we spend all year talking about it. Because we've been talking about Cincinnati since the preseason, as can they do it, I think subconsciously it's in the committee's mind. So, yeah, I think if, if everything plays out and everybody just wins the rest of their way through, I think Cincinnati's got a shot. So, two loss Alabama gets the four seed over Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, or, or we live in a world where one loss Alabama, just follow me here, one loss Alabama loses an epic game to Texas A&M. Well, Texas A&M, goes on undefeated, uh, or sorry, loses the SEC championship on a last-second field goal to Georgia, or vice versa. Do we end up with three SEC teams in the uh, in the champion in the playoff? I, well, I mean, I'd never doubt we it. Got three one, three one loss or uh, two one loss teams in an undefeated SEC champion. I, I mean, I'm not saying no to that. Like the the committee's job, I remind everybody, is, is to get the four best teams, which to me means the four best of the most deserving teams. So you know, at the end of the day. Best is best, and if that means they're all four from the SEC, I don't care, but I'm in the minority on that. The disrespect you're giving to undefeated Kentucky right now and not including them in your SEC playoff is ridiculous. My bad, my bad. You know what? Uh, <laughs> Levis is going to go out there, eat a, a full banana, through, you know, peel first, and then when him go out there and beat Georgia. I'm in for that. Give me all the chaos. Like, let me let the committee have to decide what to do with Kentucky with one loss in the SEC championship game if they make it that far, you know? Well, he is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, we appreciate your time. Thank you, morning. Jason. Thanks, guys. Take care, brother. Hey. Yeah. Good stuff. Kentucky's undefeated. I know. Granted, they haven't really beaten anybody right. that's significant. They're, they're going to eventually play some teams. They play Georgia this week, so it'll be funny if they beat Georgia. Because then if they beat Georgia, we're looking around saying nobody's good at this sport anymore. Kentucky might be number one in the country. In all seriousness, if they beat Georgia, they're undefeated and just beat who everybody's saying is the best if team Kentucky's in the country. Kentucky's number one team in the country. It's a down year. <laughs> Kentucky and Iowa yes. in the college football national uh, championship. With Cincinnati in, in the semis. I want that to happen. I don't care what else happens. If Cincinnati goes undefeated, i like them to get in. Yeah, they better. They better get in. Yeah. Coming up next, hey, we got some news about the Oakland A's and how much money they want out of Oakland. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Well, Major League Baseball kind of wanted to avoid stories about the Oakland A's and their potential relocation until after the World Series because they want all the attention on the actual baseball. And shockingly, they just want attention from Las Vegas and maybe don't actually want to move here. Uh, but... There's a story uh, from Oakland that the Alameda County Board of Supervisors are going to meet this month to discuss giving the A's money. So the Oakland is the situation for the A's in Oakland. They want $855 million to help build their ballpark in Oakland. They have already gotten from the city of Oakland $495 million of that. They want a second tax district to be created that would pay them $360 million additional dollars. The city of Oakland said, well, we're not giving you both. You're going to have to go talk to the county about that. Uh, so far, it has not sounded like the county is very willing to give up $360 million for this, but there's going to be a meeting October 26th with the Alameda County Board of Supervisors. Uh, that it's somewhat of a, hey, they threw this on their agenda, making it seem a little bit more urgent than just a random meeting about it. So 
there's a chance, I guess, that the county over in Oakland decide the Alameda County decides to give them three hundred sixty million dollars, and then the A's will have everything they need. Yeah, I think there is a chance. I think you and I have both been on the same page here with all these trips to Vegas. We didn't really know how serious it was, and I've always thought there's some level of leverage being played by Cobble and his group and Fisher and all those guys in terms of going to Vegas that many times and, you know, in their minds settling on on supposed um, sites for a ballpark. But until I heard from Oakland and Alameda that they were out of this and they weren't going to do it, I've always believed they were going back. Yeah, and even if, like, my big point is this. Even if Alameda County doesn't give them the 360 that they want, even if Alameda County says, no, we're not giving you any more, they've got $495 million from the city. And as we sit here today on October 13th, they have $0 from Las Vegas. Right. There is nobody in Las Vegas that has offered them money. That could change in the future, but as it stands, they're not turning down nearly $500 million no. to move here with $0. If Henderson comes out and says, hey, we've got a plan, we've got a billion dollars for yes. you over here. Then... They're coming. They're coming to Vegas. Yes. Uh, but until something like that happens, there's no real reason to think they're going to come here. And on top of that, Dave Cobble has not answered or said anything about the public financing that would happen here no. in Vegas. He has not mentioned how much money he would want. Uh, he ge- he did give that one quote about rental car tax as a way to possibly fund the money because they did that in Arizona for something. Um, so he did have one idea where he's like, well, what if we tax more on rental cars? Um, How many more things are we going to tax? Everything. To get yeah. to get this much money to bring yet another sport to this yeah, town. Everything you can possibly think of. Yeah. It's just keep adding up to it. So that's but that's pretty much been the only thing. There has not been any other quote from Dave Cavill or I mean we we had him on it's and been we a asked while him actually since he talked. Yeah, I think they've made other trips, but it's been a while right. since they've been extensive on the record. Right. Yeah. And so well, and listen, part of that is again Major League Baseball because okay. This is all like a power play, a pressure play from Major League Baseball and the A's on Oakland. Oh, to get what they want in Oakland. Because what they want in Oakland is their first priority. And so Major League Baseball has said, Mick Akers is the one who tweeted it out, Major League Baseball has basically said, we're not going to push for the A's to leave Oakland until after the World Series Mm -hmm. because they know. They want to focus on their game. Right. Right now, people care about the Dodgers and Giants in Game 5 tomorrow. They care about the ALCS with the Red Sox and the Astros, right? That's where the attention is. Once the World Series is over, all the people that cover baseball, well, there's no more games. Oh, the A's might move to Vegas. Here's a hundred stories on it. So as soon as, okay, maybe, maybe Alameda County gives them the money before the World Series ends. I doubt it, but maybe they say, oh, let's do it. And it's a done deal and they're staying in Oakland. But unless that happens, as soon as the World Series is over, like the next day within 48 hours, We're going to have multiple stories about, all right, the A's are back in Vegas. The A's are coming back to Vegas. Here's what they want from Oakland. Here's why it's such a great deal in Oakland if they can get this done. Like, well, there's going to be a ton of stories because that's when Major League Baseball and the A's are going to turn it on and say, hey, here's what we need. I'm not surprised it's the Labor Council pushing. Right. That was the interesting point. To Uh, have this meeting. Yeah. In this story, the the Labor Council is is part of the ones pushing. Yes. They were a big deal here when the Raiders Absolutely. were moving. Absolutely. They were a huge didn't, deal. Didn't Tommy White, the Tommy guy White, with the Labor uh, Union, lit the, lit the uh, torch? Memorial <laughs> torch uh, on Sunday against the Bears. Yes, he did. So who's ever in charge of this Labor Council will get to... I'm not surprised at all. They want jobs. Yeah, absolutely. That's 
they they want all the construction they right. can get. And even though they didn't produce as many jobs as they said they were going to produce, it's still more than zero. So if the labor the labor council labor union is always going to be in favor yes. of some new stadium, new building, new hotel. Because yeah, guess what? They got jobs. They don't care about the rest of it.